Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. All right, well, while they're taking up the offering, I'm going to go ahead and I think the kids can be dismissed, right? We've got stuff going on back there. I'm going to read through a passage of Scripture while they're doing that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this is where we've been, so you've heard this a few times in a row already, but I want you to listen again as I read this. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 4 through 15. Uh, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation." For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. You are of the day, you're not of the night, not of darkness. Do you guys believe that? Let's pray. Only Father, God, I thank you For this day, I thank you that we are able to look again into your word, and I pray for your wisdom, Lord, for myself as I preach from this passage. God, I ask that you would give me the understanding to speak accurately to what your word teaches. I pray for each person in this room that regardless of their background or where they've come from, specifically this week, I pray that they would be ready and willing to hear what you have for them today from your word. Lord, we all together trust that in your ability to orchestrate our life's events, that each person is here today to hear this message. I pray that we would be willing and receptive to it. In your name I pray, amen. Now, do you guys know the Greek word for church? No? No? Katie, you don't get to answer you. I knew you knew it. Um, this is the Greek word for church. So when Paul says church, this is the, right, he's spoken the common Greek language. This is the word that he used. Uh, this word is composed of two words. The ek at the beginning, ek, um, means out. And the second half of this is, has the idea of called. So literally the word meant called out. Like That's literally. It was used in Paul's day to refer to an assembly of people. So it was usually used in Paul's day before the church. It was used in Paul's day for Romans. Romans many times would have a a group. They would call out a group of citizens for an assembly of people together. And so that's what that word meant. And the, the Christians kind of confiscated that word to refer to that's what they were doing because they were really citizens of heaven called out to meet together. Does that make sense? 
That's what that had to do with. Now, you may be wondering why I'm bringing this up. I think one of the reasons is because I've been mentioning this the last few weeks, and I thought to myself this week, I thought, I wonder if anybody at church actually believes, believe, I'm, you don't believe that? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> nice try, Austin. He tried, he tried for a minute. Um, I wondered if anybody believed that. Okay, so something I've been saying is, okay, you, 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 anybody watch the news? <laughs> Some of you are like, it's all bad news. <laughs> um, okay, take that into consideration. What about, you, you ever drive through town? Do you ever meet human beings? Are there problems in our society? Small scale, medium scale, big scale, country scale. Are there issues across the globe? Yeah. So, so I've been saying something, and I'm just curious as to whether or not you actually believe it. One of the things I've been saying each week is this. I've been saying that the, the solution, a lot of solutions out there, aren't there? I think we need to do this. I think we ought to do this. I think we ought to do this. Well, what about, I think we need to do this, this here, this is the thing, this movement, this cause, this other thing. There's a lot of things going on, and one of the things that I've been saying the last few weeks is I don't believe any of that is the ultimate solution. There's some great things that can happen from different movements, but I'm telling you right now, the only actual real solution is the one that God started, and there's only one that he started. We have names for it, Christianity, Right? You know, do you guys know where that name came from? There was a city. Some of those that went to church here for a long time, you know this because I talked about this. Uh, the city of Antioch. Um, in the book of Acts, it says, in Antioch, the disciples, people that were following Jesus, were first called Christians. The word Christian just meant little Christ. So it wasn't the Christians themselves calling them Christians. It was everybody else going, you guys are like a bunch of little Jesuses running around here. Okay, so then they started calling them Christians, little Christs. We call the group, the Bible does, we do, we call this group, this movement, church. It's these people who are citizens now of heaven that are still living on this world. And so one of the things I keep saying is, so I'm curious if you actually believe that. Because I know it's easy when you're in church to go, yeah, amen, brother. But do you actually see the solution to the issues in the world as coming from this book, Christ as the head, and his way of doing things. Do you actually believe that? That's my question for you. Now, I know many of you go, yeah. What I would like you to do today as we're, we're unpacking this is I want you to really think, do you actually believe that? I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal my hand. I do. Like, really. Like, actual real problems in the real world I believe, not just principles and ideas, that's part of it, but I believe the actual faith in Jesus Christ is the solution. Does that make sense? There's lots of principles in here. People go, so I'm not talking about just the principles. A lot of people look at the principles in here and they go, do this, be kind, love your neighbor, all these kind of things. They pull this out and they, they ditch Jesus and they try to incorporate those things. I believe all that 
is shallow and pointless without Christ as the head of the church. Okay, so that's that's what I'm saying. Okay, so if you're like, I don't know, that that's that's the reality. Okay. All right, now. With that being said, let me review quickly, and then we're going to jump into the part for today. So in 1 Thessalonians, we're in a section where what, what I believe Paul is doing is he's doing these rapid-fire pieces of what some people might go, that's advice. I've looked at this, and I thought, you know, I think that what Paul's doing, he's, he's, he's basically describing what does this community, and can I, I'm going to call it, instead of using the word church today, I'm going to use the word community a lot. I'm going to kind of use them interchangeably. What is this community of God people? What does this community of light actually look like? What do they do? What do they look like? How do they think? Okay. And so three weeks ago, uh, we talked about leadership in the community. Okay. So there is a leadership model in the community. It's not like the world's leadership uh, model. The leadership model of the church, of God's people, of God's community, is a shepherd leader idea pictured in Christ who came to this earth, died on the cross for the sins of his people and shepherds them. It's never beat you over the head, right? It, it's, it, there, there's many that I go, uh, I think that they're used to authority having that view where authority is somebody that you need to avoid because you're going to get in trouble, right? That's not God's view of authority of the pastoral leadership. But Paul talks about this, says how are we supposed to view this? What are we actually supposed to do on a day-to-day basis when it comes to what's going on in the church? And we had these verses, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, admonish you to esteem them very highly in love because of their work, because of what they're actually doing. Um, be at peace among yourselves. That's what Paul's point was. If you missed that one, we can make a copy of it. You can listen to it online. Then we talked about, so that was the leadership of this community. Next, we talked about the ministry of the community. What are we actually doing? Like, how do we minister to each other? Okay? The ministry of the community. And we talked about this last week, and we urge you, brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Admonish the idol. Warn the idol. Warn that that word idol meant disorderly, right? People that aren't staying in line. Warn them. So there's one approach that says that. Encourage the faint-hearted or encourage the discouraged. And then help the weak had to do with giving actual assistance to the ones who literally that word weak meant could be either disabled or disadvantaged in life. Help them. So there's three responses. And we talked about how many of us, we, we kind of lean towards one or the other. But God's ministry to his people, the way he wants us to minister to each other, has three possible responses. And it takes some wisdom to know which one it is. We can't use the club of warning, right? We talked about that. Some of you, that's your only response. Not literally, but that's the one you, you default to. Straighten up, smack you in the head, right? Some of you default to the second one, where encouragement, and what they need is a smack in the head. Sometimes we... we we ought not to be doing either one of those, just not encouraging. Not, sometimes people need actual physical help. And we say, depart in peace. Right? Haven't done anything. And so there's all three, which requires knowing what to do, requires patience, 
with everybody. Long suffering with everybody. That's the ministry of this community. This is how we are towards each other. Next, I'm going to look at, and for lack of a better term, I'm going to call it the actions of the community. I, I toyed around, wrestled with calling this the relationships in the community, uh, but it's really about, also about the actions headed outwards. And so I want you to think about this. This is meant to be, what I'm going to say next, meant to be actual advice. I'm hoping that you will hear this today and go, this is something I need to do this week. Okay? All right. Does anybody need to take a breath? Anybody need to stretch or anything? Introduction is over. We're going to jump into the meat of this. Here we go. Look at verse 15. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Easy enough, isn't it? Okay. Let's, there's two, you see the two things there that we need to do? There's a, there's a don't and then there's a do. The don't, don't repay anyone evil for evil. The do, do good. Okay. Easy enough, okay. Don't do this, do this. Okay. Got it. Let's deal with them one at a time here. Let's take a look at that first one. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good, but no one repays anyone evil for evil. Okay, this is going to require some thought. I have, I have a theory. I'm going to, this isn't my notes. I have a theory. My theory came from a story of a missionary down in South, South America there's a movie about it. It's called The End of the Spear. Some of you probably know what that is. Um, this isn't my notes, or I'd be more prepared. I'd have a picture of the guy. But um, one of the things that had infiltrated the culture, there, were, there was actual, it was a cannibalistic culture, and the first missionaries, it's a great story, by the way. The first missionaries went there, these men that were going there, they ended up all getting killed. Um, but, and then their wives took up the ministry, and th- these whole villages got saved. Okay? Um, became Christians. I mean, we're going to see these people in heaven, which is really cool if you think about it, right? But one of the things that had infiltrated that community was this vengeance culture. So this village would attack this village and kill some people, and then go, well, you, you can't just leave it at that. Well, we need to pay you back. And so they would go back and pay back. And then, well, then, and it was just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth for generations. And it's so interesting listening to them talk about it, that just generations had done that. And so my theory, I got to think, I thought, you know what? I think that we have a little bit of that going on today in our culture. I think that that has infiltrated our culture as well. You do it to me, I'll do it to you. Okay? You, to use the words of my kids, they treated me, I'm going to treat them. <laughs> right? That's what's going to happen. See how they treated me? I'm going to treat them. Okay. Well, let's maybe not. At school, at least, please. <laughs> um, there's an odd flip side to this. And, and now think, I, I'm, I'm, asking, I'm, I'm begging you to think, okay? There's an odd flip side to this where I, I you have to forgive me. My, my mind thinks in the, the, the spectrum of high school students, okay? Um, but I think that's, let's be honest, most of us, we haven't matured much since then, okay? So, um, uh, there's an odd flip side to this where people that live in this, operate in this culture, this, this make things even where they will even demand certain good treatments because they had treated you good. See what I'm saying? 
And they'll even do this nice thing for you that, frankly, might have been stupid and they shouldn't have done. But then they, what do they do? They bring it up later and they go, I, I remember that thing I did for you. And, and we, because we live in this culture, we go, they got, they got, they got me. I, I have no choice. I must do this thing for them. Right? It, it's, it's a way of thinking. I call it a culture because I think it's a way of thinking that has infiltrated in such a way, every uh, permeate every aspect of how we think elements of daily living. And so it, you may not even, some of you, I think, I, just because I, I'm, I see what you're doing out there, right? So I see some of you going, that's true, right? I see some of that going on, okay. Um, but I, I want you to think even deeper because th- there may be ways you're doing this and don't even realize it. Uh, it's kind of like when you, have you ever fed a baby baby food? You go, what, 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 do, what do you a lot of times do when you go and you're ta- bringing the spoon in? What do you do? <laughs> right? <laughs> Trying to get them to open it, and you're opening your mouth. Like, like somehow that makes them open their mouth or something. <laughs> right? Have you, have you ever had somebody, have you ever re- realized like you've been doing that and didn't even know it? Right? That's, that's, and then somebody points it out, you're like, uh, why is your mouth, you're like getting ready to give the baby the bite, and you're sitting there like this, right at the baby. What's kind of scared the baby a little bit, because you're like. <laughs> and, and, and here he comes, and somebody goes, what are you doing with your mouth? And you're like, I was yawning. <laughs> <laughs> or you just go, I didn't even realize I was doing that. That's so silly. That's, that's what I want you to think about. I want you to think, are there ways that you might be doing this and not even realize it, okay? So that's, we're going to do some intense thinking here if we can, some self-analyzing here, uh, ways that you may have fallen into this payback, a lot of different names. I had 20 different names for what I would call it, payback mentality, even Stephen culture. I don't know what to call it. There's a, there's a leveling of the playing field in our minds that if you did to me, I'll do to you, if, but maybe not even to that degree. Okay, let me go off my notes again. Let me show you, let me tell you a way, I'm going to admit, since Charity's not in here, I'll admit you a way that I've I do this to charity, okay? Um, charity, wonderful person, love her to death. When she cleans the house, I hate it. Let me tell you why. She'll get the house completely clean. I'll come in to the house. Whether I've helped or not, I'll, I'll come in. And I'll do something like I'll walk in. Now, I've done this for, for months on end. Walk in, take my keys out, and put them somewhere, right? And what happens? What do you think? You guys already know. <laughs> so you're like, I already know that. You know? Or, or here, here, here's one. Uh, like, she'll get the kitchen clean. And I'll like, I'm, uh, sometimes I'll even be like, oh, crud. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm like, how am I supposed to? And then, then, you, then I'll, I'll try to like clean, you know, like, and, and I'm trying to put things away as soon as I get it out. And, and sure enough, I will leave something out that I'm like, I'll be walking towards it, right, to put it away. Like the pan is still there. I'll be walking towards it, put it away, and she'll walk through and she'll go, why do you got to leave the pan out? <laughs> okay, this is embarrassing to admit. But you know, you know what I do? I will then, see, I know, that, I, know it'll, I know it fades, right? House starts to get a little bit messy again. I, I will then, after a while, I'll start wait. I just wait. This is evil. I shouldn't admit this. 
I will wait, subconsciously, I will wait until she leaves something out. Just so I can go, could you pl- please, I, you know. My favorite is when, like, I, I leave, I've, I wear Crocs, and a lot of times I, ha- I have a pair of Crocs, <laughs> she hates this, I have a pair of Crocs by each door. So if I have to go out, I can just go, boom, boom, walk out, right? And, and if I ever have, she's, she's, she's permitted me to have one pair at each door. If I have a second pair, like if I bring, come home and I, I kick my shoes off, and, and so then I have Crocs and some other shoes, she'll come by and she'll go, why are there two pairs of shoes by the door? Oh, I love it when she leaves more than one pair of shoes by the door. <laughs> Honey, I'll get these for you. <laughs> right? That's so horrible, isn't it? Oh. Now, I'm admitting this to you because I, I think in, some, in, in small ways, I think that if you analyze yourself, you may find there's elements of that that you do without even thinking about it. They, and what's really going on, and this is an admission from what's really, what, what am I really doing? I'm going, you did to me and that bugged me, so I'm going to do something to you that bugs you. I've fallen into that culture. Let's make things even. Let's settle the score. I would never call it that. But is that what I'm actually doing? Yeah. Now, this idea stems from a biblical concept, so I need to address this briefly. Because some of you will quote it. You'll go back to Deuteronomy or Exodus or Leviticus, and you'll go, ah, the Bible doth say, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. Thou hast taken my eye, I'm taking yours. Right? You slip back into that King James English when you do it too. Thou hast done to me, I shall do to you. Now, okay, do you realize what that was there for? That was to limit justice. The punishment should fit the crime. It was never meant to be, I'm going to get you back. It was in actual cases of crimes where they they were saying, this is the crime that was committed. This is the type of punishment that ought to happen in connection to that. And it ought not to go further than that. So it was, it was about real justice in the Old Testament. And you start to see, even when you get to Proverbs, the, the lack of wisdom in focusing on making sure that happens. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 22 uh, says, Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord. He will deliver you. Or Proverbs 24, 29. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. Don't do it. There's a lack of wisdom in thinking that way. So there are already hints at that in the Old Testament that this, this was, and it was really more of a governmental, this is the Old Testament law for the nation of Israel to limit what justice looks like. They had a whole system involved with that. But if we get to the New Testament, it's a little bit more clearly laid out. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus himself teaches, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I mean, he just comes right out and says, you, this is what you heard, right? But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you in the right cheek, turn to him the other also. 
This is not a cliche. This is an actual teaching in Scripture from Jesus, our Savior. He gives a few other examples of it. He says, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Uh, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs for you, uh, from you, uh, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. I still believe that there's an element of this eye for eye, tooth for tooth that we have delegated. I think the biblical view for government ought to fall into that line. Romans chapter 13 says this, For rulers, ideally, are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. He is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Now, we live in a system of law and order. It's meant to be that. And if you go, well, what about our system is not fully right? There's flaws, absolutely. But if Paul could say this under Emperor Nero, who was taking Christians and burning them in his garden for light, if Paul could say that under that type of government, then I think that we can probably say it as well. This is what it ought to be. But for us, we hear the words of Christ and we leave vengeance in God's hands. In fact, I don't even think it's wrong to emphasize that to God. If somebody has done something to you, listen to this, Psalm 28.4. This is King David. He says, says this, Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward. He's, this is David praying. Get, I'm leaving that to you, God. And, and understand, leaving that to God, I think also includes you don't go to God and say, and this is how you ought to do it, right? <laughs> Prophet Nehemiah said something similar. He says, remember, Tobiah and Sambella, oh my God, he's praying. According to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid, remember, God, you, they're in your hands. Paul the Apostle in the New Testament, he even brings this up. There's a guy named Alexander the coppersmith who had done some horrible things towards Paul, and he says this. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. That, that's, in God, that's between him and God. That's not my business. Right? So I don't think it's wrong to ask for this from the Lord. We leave it in his hands. In fact, we could say it this way, Romans chapter 12. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, and I think this is a great way to think about it, vengeance, this is a quote, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So somebody just laid claim of ownership of vengeance. Who just laid claim of the ownership of vengeance in this verse? It's not a trick. Who did it? God did. So if you go, that's mine to take care of, who did you just take something from? God. Do you really want to do that? He says, that's mine. I'll take care of that. And you go, no, I think I'll take it. I got it, God. <laughs> no, leave that in his hands. But what are we to do? This is where it gets challenging because you go, well, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to sit oddly by? Are we supposed to be doormats or floor mats or any other kind of mats? Anyway, there's some good mats, right? <laughs> some good mats. Um, is, that what, is that what we're supposed to be? Just walked on? Is that, what, is that what God paints Christians out to be? Like, 
Just, just these people that are like, go ahead. <laughs> just walk all over me. It's okay. Is that, what, is that what it's teaching? Does it feel that way sometimes? I, I really think we've already dealt with this to one degree. When, when you're saying, like Nehemiah and Paul and David, like somebody does something, you go, I'm going to leave that to God. I think we can pray like they did and go, God, they're in your hands. <laughs> Is that passive? No. It's very much like, God, you know much better than I, and you can do a lot more than I can do. I'm putting them in your hands, right? Now, what is our response? A response, I think, is going to be amazingly, amazingly bold. I think it's against the common, typical, cultural response. What are we hearing over there? Was there so- oh, okay. You guys all looked over there at the same time. Um, getting even, making it fair, balancing the equation. Don't seek to repay. Is that the way we're going to go? No. Let's get into the do. Action of the community. But always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Really simple, right? Do good. Now, the always seek to, it really means like in every circumstance, make every effort to do it. So always seek to could sound kind of like, uh, just try to. But it actually means in every circumstance, you're, you're, you're like actively trying to make good happen for people. This call to turn the other cheek, I don't believe is a doormat mentality. I think it's actually profoundly brave and bold. Let's, let's dig into this a little bit. I want you to look at uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 21. Paul says this. He, he, he goes a little bit out of the way on this when he says this. Repay no one evil for evil. There it is again. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. He's saying the same things here. Leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. That's a Deuteronomy 32 quote. To the contrary, he goes on to say, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. So now he's getting to some examples. What does this do good look like? Um, if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. That doesn't sound pleasant at all, does it? And then he says this, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The word overcome right here is a military term. Remember earlier when I said, I'm giving you something to do, and I think that you, I actually think you, I need to do this when you go out of this building today? I'm commanding you in the name of Christ to overcome evil in this world. Is that what it says? Do not be overcome by evil. Well, what are we to do? What are we told to do here? Overcome evil. With what? Good. So the, the weapon against evil is what? Good. You do, do good. Now we kind of know this already because you, you know you can't overcome evil with evil because what have you done? You just made more evil. That's, that's just common sense. A lot of people recognize that. You can't overcome this with more of this because then you're just doing more of this and it's the same kind of thing. Overcome is a military term. We are to be overcoming evil. I'm going to quote a guy named Jay Adams here. He's a biblical counselor uh, talking about this particular passage. He says, uh, one doesn't turn the cheek in every sense, only in the sense of returning good for evil. He, the person you're talking to, has sinned. Caring for him in his sin, you give the other person the opportunity to repent and do the right thing. 
Now, we're starting, he's laying a foundation here. So this turning of the other cheek is not like, it, it, don't think of it this way. Somebody comes up and smacks you and you go, okay, hit the other one. That's not, that's not what it's talking about. Somebody's done something to you. The next time you encounter them, you don't go, I'm out of here. I don't want anything to do with that person. The, the, the idea here is that you, there, there's, you're giving opportunity to that person again. They might smack you again. But what are you doing in turning the other cheek? You're saying, you're better than that. Through, through, through Christ, I absolutely believe that. And you may have done this to me once, but I believe God can change you. He changed me. I believe he can change you. Turn you around. And so I'm not just going to protect myself here. I know this might hurt, but I'm right here. That's not a doormat, is it? Here I am. If, if you need to. Now, now, don't, now don't, don't do it like that. Go ahead. <laughs> I dare you. Okay, so I see. We're, we're falling back into the old way of thinking, right? We're, we're waiting for them to do it so then we can pop them one. No, that's not how. That's what we're stopping. J. Adams goes on to say this. In effect, by returning good for evil, you're demanding better of him than he has given you thus far. You aggressively refuse to accept his sinful behavior and thrust forth your other cheek for a kiss rather than a slap. I don't know about the kissing part. He goes on to say, that is not passivity. That is an active, aggressive, demanding response that requires something different from the persecutor. Doing good to another involves the most violent sort of attack upon him. It is pointed to thrust at his basic stance toward you and ultimately toward God. Love that. Because when you reintroduce yourself back, you're, what he's saying is you're, you're forcing that person then to reckon their relationship to you and to God. Frankly, what a lot of us do with our paybacks, whether it be a payback of like, I'm going to now do something to them, or maybe the payback is I'm going to punish them by never talking to them again. Right? This is something very different. No payback. I want you to do good. And that person is suddenly forced to face, they just did this thing to you and you're not, you're doing something different. You're not just getting ticked off. You're not just getting mad. You're, you're, you're going, you know what? I believe you can do something different. I'm praying that God will work in your heart today to, to, to do that. And that person is forced to reckon between Ultimately, they, they may think it's you, but know what it really is. What is it really? It is their relationship with God. They're suddenly forced to reckon with their sin and their relationship with him and their need of him to do what is right. I'm going to go to one last passage just to give some more examples of this and think through some possibilities here. Because there's a lot of ins and outs, and I do believe there, there's an necessary wisdom that we need to pray for in knowing how to do these things, okay? Um, but what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to just toss the whole thing out. I think that's what a lot of people have done. They've said, okay, I get the don't repay evil for evil, but the do good part, like the turn your other cheek, like eh, this turned out this way, or this turned out this way, or maybe you've seen it play out poorly in situations and people were taken advantage of and you go, what? okay, and so there's a lot of wisdom that's necessary, 
But what I don't want you to do is to go, well, that didn't work that time, so I'm just out. Okay? Luke chapter 6, Jesus teaching. I say to you, this is very similar to the Matthew passage. He says this, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those. Who, so we'll start with this verse again. But do good to the haters. You know any haters? Any haters? Now, if you want to be an overcomer, we, man, we got a we got a whole town with a lot of evil going on. Do we not? We we got some evil to overcome. Do we not? And we're called to overcome the evil, and the only way we can overcome it, the only actual tool that's going to do anything at all is good. So here's one. Meet a hater, what do you do? What's it say? Yeah. Love your enemy. Do what? Good. Do good to them. What's that look like? It could be as simple as the next time you see that hater walking down the hall where you work, that you just, I mean, honestly, it could be as simple as, hey. That, that's a good thing to do, right? To greet somebody, that's what, it could be as simple as that. I think as we go through these examples, you'll start to understand why Paul quoted that uh, Proverbs passage about, by doing so, you'll heap coal of fire on their head. Now, now, this, this gets tricky. Some of you, you go, I do that. But let's be honest. You're smiling because you know it's going to tick them off. And, and let's, be, let's be honest as well because uh, I'm telling you right now, don't even try to say that it's not true. You, you can tell. You can tell, can't you? When somebody smiles at you that's genuine and somebody that smiles at you because they're smiling at you and the, behind the smile is a smile that's saying, I'm smiling at you just because you're a jerk and I'm smiling to show how nice I am. And you can tell, can't you, when somebody does that. So don't think you can get away with it. Because some of you do. You walk down and you go, hmm. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> they're like, I see right. They're going to see right through that. you got to do good. What's good for them? Maybe, maybe you need to steer clear if they're really mad at you at the moment. Maybe you could send them a card. Love you, praying for you. You know, maybe not. Love you, praying for you. Hope you get saved. <laughs> you obviously need it. <laughs> that, that, see, see we, we can shift back so easily, can't we? All right, another example. Bless those who curse you. Think of blessing. There's a lot of ways we think about blessing. Blessing, think of it as speaking good towards or giving good towards, like an actual blessing on somebody. Like sometimes it's speaking good that God would do the good to them. Or sometimes it's an actual giving of something because you, you give them something and, and they, they go, I mean, that you go, what do you say? You go, well, that's, that's a blessing, right? I mean, that's what you do. But think of it that way. So people that are speaking, the cursing, the speaking, say, say you know somebody, they're, they're speaking bad about you behind your back. Sometimes what do we do? We then go around speaking bad about them behind their back. A lot of times we're just trying to build our alliances, our little armies, right? And they did that to me, I'm going to do that to them. Well, you don't know what they did to me. How about instead going, you know, I know they've been, say you hear, 
what they've been saying about you. Instead of just going, you might have a list of dirt on them a mile long. What if you say you just said, you know what, they've been going through a tough time. You know, they, and just begin speaking. So this person that maybe came to you, because they think, see, they're still operating in that culture. And they probably came to you to tell you these things because they're thinking, they probably want to know how they've been negated, so the negative, so the balances are off, and I need to tell them so that they know, so that they, if they want to at least, they can try to balance them back out. See, they're, they're operating in that culture. And so you're going to do some amazing things when you just start speaking blessing about those people. Right? It's going to take some creativity. There's some people you may, might go, I can't think of one nice thing to say about them. Here, I got one for you. God love them. <laughs> right? Bless their heart if you're from the South. Pray for those who abuse you. I, I, I really appreciate this one. I separated this one from the previous one because it's pray for those who abuse you. There, there is a, a reality of abuse that goes to a certain degree where I love that Paul says here, sometimes it's just, it's not there. It's over, from over here. That, that situation, that relationship is abusive. So I love the wisdom that's here because it's not saying every single person is exactly the same where you have to go back into that situation. Because there's some situations where, as someone who's, who's dealt with these things, I, go, I look at people and I go, they, you, know, you need to be out of that house or you need to be out of that situation. That's an abusive situation. And, but that doesn't mean you come over here and you just start telling everybody, what do you do? Pray for them. Pray for them. Do you believe that God can change them? Yeah. There's hope. Pray for them. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, we've already talked about this one. Turn the other one also. I've never had a cloak taken away. I don't have a cloak or a tunic. Um, there's not a possessiveness of our things in this new economy that I'm pointing you towards. There's not a, not a like, I got to, sometimes we, we're, we're white-knuckled holding on to our stuff. Like, man, I can't, if somebody does something that's going to make me lose, they should pay. Right? Do you, do you know what, what's happening with that? Is that shifted back to that old culture again? Think about, you're saying the same thing, balance it out. If they make me lose, they're going to have to pay. This new way of thinking is not like that at all. They make me lose what was God's anyway. And then, oh, wait a minute. There's an, they, they don't just need a cloak. They need a tunic. Now, this is a radical different way of looking at life, isn't it? Like instead of just looking at how it cost you something, actually looking at the person going, they still have a need of this too. I love that in this giving of it, you rescue them from this, their, their, their crimes. I'm just going to give. What? Give to everyone who begs from you. When he takes away your goods, do not demand the back. Follows along with that same previous thought. And then a summary statement at the very end. 
You've heard this statement before. Give to everyone who begs from you. Oh, I'm sorry. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Or have you heard it? Do to others as you would have them do unto you. What's that called? The golden rule. It's important that when we get to this point that we realize that if you try, or let me say this, if the world tries to accomplish this, if the world has tried to take some of these principles, this golden rule kind of principle, I believe that every single time you will fall flat on your face trying to do these things if you leave one important element out, Jesus. The one thing that makes all of this possible is because you can look at it and you can go, he gave everything for me. He, he showed me how to do this. He suffered. He died. He, 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 when, when he was persecuted, he didn't retaliate. I, I've seen him do it. See, if you try to do it without, without that foundation, I believe you're going to fall. And this is, this is why I think so many people struggle with this. Even what does it look like and how am I supposed to do it and the motivation to do it. Because then, then that's, why, that's why sometimes you try to do good to somebody and you're doing it like this. I hope it's good for you. <sighs> why? If you're responding that way, what, what's the problem? You've forgotten all that he's done for you. And if you keep your eyes focused on Christ, what you're going to start to see is that when all of these things here, instead of looking at it as like how it's affecting you, how it's affecting you, you're going to start to go, this is the least I could do. That's the least I could do. So much more I maybe could have done if your eyes are focused on Christ. So when you leave today, we have a world of evil to overcome. This is the crew. You. What's your weapon? Good. Are we to be overcome by the evil in the world? No. We're to overcome it. How? Do good. You'll never do it your eyes are not looking at Christ every minute of every day and all that he's done. Study his life. Read, read through the Gospels this week. Don't, don't just go, okay, must be good. Have you ever done that before? Like, you heard a church service and you're like, yeah, it'll be good. And you go out and you go, yeah, I gotta be good. And you're going out there, I'm gonna be the goodest person there is. And, and, and then you meet the first jerk that you meet and you're like, okay, here we go, gonna be good. You try to be good, and they're still jerked back, and you go, well, that didn't work. Forget it. Right? Or maybe some of you, you that's not how it works at all. You go, I'm going to be good, going to be good, going to be good. And then meet the first jerk. That, that little good thought in your head, like, flew out. It's like, it's not, it wasn't even around anywhere. And you, like, respond, you're jerked back, and then all, all of a sudden it's all over with, and you're like, oh, man, and you're feeling really bad, and all of a sudden... It, Floats back in, and maybe it's my voice because you just heard it on Sunday. Like, do good, and you're like, I'm such a loser. For, totally forgot to be good. And he's such a jerk, made me forget. <laughs> hey, so, so what do you, you can't do it by just going out there and saying, I'm gonna be a better person. It's not how Christianity works. You know how it works? Get your Bible out, read about Jesus, and say, God, change me. 
from the inside out. You start reading about Jesus. You start reading about what he did and how he responded to people and how he loved people. And you start learning more about it. And you read another story about how he responded to this person, how he helped this person. You're like, oh. Then you're going to go out and your mind's going to be thinking about Jesus. And I, I guarantee your responses will begin to be different when you start focusing on him and learning who he is. You can't learn about Jesus without it changing who you are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray now for each person in this room, Lord. The, the task is overwhelming. Evil in this world, overcome it. But that's the task that we have. And we believe the same Savior who came to this earth, died on the cross, and defeated the grave and rose from the dead, that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in us. The same Spirit, the Spirit of sacrifice, the Spirit that, that, that goes to the cross, is obedient to the Father, is now at work in us. Lord, let us begin the task of overcoming evil in this world by using good. I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen.